You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network that has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dive into other nerdy subjects that we all, including Peter Arvera, love to frolic about in our free time. Nobody frolics like Peter Vera. Batman Book Club is also on Patreon. If you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show, keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study, just go to patreon.com slash the Batman DC. Now, thank you for tuning in to episode, tuning in, ha, listening to episode 140, Blades. Returning to the show is a man that's been way too long since he was on this the last time. He has been crowned a nerd by one Sir Tom King. Um, it's a very elusive club. It's uh, Mr. Carlos Algul Demon. Carlos back. from the Nerd Room, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back. I'm uh, absolutely honored. And uh, it, it's a bit intimidating seeing as oh, the stop. Tom King episode just hit my feed. And I was like, how do you follow up a legendary writer like Tom King with uh, Carlos? So, <laughs> but yeah. here we are, my friend. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Um, <laughs> He Tom King, he was just like, man, this this freaking nerd from Indiana needs to stop including me in tweets. So I'll just throw him a big old bone and then he'll leave me alone forever. So uh, there you go. But no, um, happy to have you back. We were talking. I tracked it down um, while we were talking before I hit record. And it's been a it's been a year and a half since you've been on the show. We talked some some Deacon Black Frost. Last wait. Yes. Why did I forget it? I'm spacing out, as you already know today. Blackfire. Black Frost. Oh, my God. Carlos, do you want to host this? Take it away. (laughs) No, I don't don't know, man. Uh, Yeah, it's fine. Holy uh... crap. Black Frost. You know, good old Black Frost. When that came out, too, I was like, wait, what? I mean, a few episodes ago, I said, instead of strategist, I said strategist. I mean, I'm just, I think I'm doing too much, too much blabbing lately. But uh, episode 67, July of 2021 is the last time you were on talking the cult i know man it's uh it has been too long i had a heck of a time then and yeah we've we've kept in touch on the on the twitters and in the dm there but that's uh, right yeah i'm happy to be back now and yeah in fact uh this episode was uh inspired by by the twitters if i'm not mistaken by the twitters it sure was um we're gonna get into that how that even came about i don't think i don't think i want to wait anymore let's just you know let's just let's get going okay let's talk this was a three issue series in the legends of the dark knight title the original one of the best most consistent batman comic book titles in the whole character's history i don't think that's a hot take because i i don't know anybody who's pushed back against that the legends of the dark knight title was amazing uh issues number 32 through 34 released in 1992 
written by James Robinson, art by the incomparable, uh, gone too soon, Tim Sale. Uh, it was surprisingly, it was collect, it was released physically through physical issues. Um, it's collected in trade paperback called the Collected Legends of the Dark Knight. It was also really collected and released in a hardcover called Tales of the Batman. The book is available to buy digitally. It is also available on DC Universe Infinite. So, Carlos, which version did you read for this episode? Well, I do have the the physical issues there. And uh, I'll open my storage room, looked at those long boxes, and I was yeah. like, why would I do that when I have <laughs> DC Universe Infinite? In so fact. I uh, very happily read it on there. And uh, yeah, just to go back to something you said about Legend of the Dark Knight being the best, most consistent title and run in the character's history. You're absolutely right. But it, it's so funny that I was too young to appreciate it back then. Mm -hmm. Like I was too young to appreciate the fact that like two seminal talents and James Robinson and uh, Tim Sale were writing this arc of books on this monthly Batman title. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it then i was scouring the the app to see like how long was my run and i kind of remember did i take it to 50 or 150 and um i ended up pulling out that stupid long box anyways buddy <laughs> <laughs> tried to avoid it but you, you know you just got drawn back in um i've been there when i like I, same situation i just end up thinking of like i bought some physicals so i need to go put some in long boxes and then you know 45 minutes later I'm, I've got so many issues pulled out, just looking at them, browsing through. And it's just like, God, it gets you. It gets you every time. The memories, um, man. The mem Yes. Uh, for me, I grabbed my hardcover, Tales of the Batman, Tim Sale. It's a gorgeous cover. Read it through this. Yeah, I, I love it. And then you take off the dust jacket and it's a Tim Sale. Um, I don't know what you call it. Like, you know, you can feel Batman on it. It's on the... Uh, it's like a half. I'm just, yeah, this is really good for podcasting, right? It's yeah. half of Batman drawn by of his cowl drawn by Tim Sale. Um, and yeah, you can feel it like it, it pops up just a little bit. It's, uh, fantastic looking. But Carlos, it's not where my journey ends because I was at the comic shop just yesterday. And you know how you get if you end up going to a comic shop, you get all giddy and you're like, well, let's just browse around. And I just wondered if they had the issues in their long boxes and they did <laughs> and i said i don't go. i don't have these and i'm like you know what i think i just want to grab them because they're tim sale they're three tim sale issues they're in perfect condition fun bonus is that the back side is you know promotions for the summer blockbuster of 1992 batman returns so that was awesome. cool you know i mean like you just said it's like memories and then you open up the first issue and it's teasing the Catwoman triumphant story. And at the very back is, you know, Penguin triumphant. Let's see. Yeah, Defiant, Penguin triumphant. Think, right? What's Catwoman defiant? There we go. Yes, yes, yes. Catwoman defiant. But those stories that came out that. So, I mean, it was just like, it's kind of a no brainer. Like, dude, it was like four bucks for each issue. I Whatever. It's great. So. I read the hard, the collected edition in the hardcover, and then just today I reread it with the physical issues. Um, couldn't help myself. Money well spent. Yeah, man. Well, you can grab yourself some OG Tim Sale books for yeah four bucks a pop. How can you yeah. say no? 
I, I, I couldn't. And there, I mean, there's a difference too, because the paper on that is the, you know, from the nineties, it's like more of like a matte thicker kind of paper. And whereas in this collected edition, it's, um, it's gloss. So, I mean, there's a different style in, in like the print, which we'll get in as well. So uh, I did some comparing and contrasting and it was, I don't know, no regrets here. Uh, Carlos, do you remember the first time that you read Blades? I, it was a long time ago and I was super young when I read it, but I, there was some moments that stuck out to me. Like I, I remember the twist with uh Cavalier, the uh, mm-hmm. arguably the lead character in it, but then rereading it now, like Bruce's arc, I had was completely, it was like reading it for the first time. It's different. I'd completely forgotten about the, the case that he was investigating and mm-hmm. uh, how he ends up running into Cavalier and whatnot. And I, I do, I do remember the one page vividly actually, when he talks about uh, Cavalier reminding him of um, Zorro when he was a kid and mm-hmm. it just gave him that uh, enough to give him that nudge and give him the green light to operate in Gotham type of thing. So mm-hmm. nice. Uh, it says that and this has a the hardcover has a copyright of 2007, and I do believe that that was the year that the absolute long Halloween came out and I bought it. And on the heels of that, I saw this available, and it was a no brainer of like, this is Tim Sale, I got to read this. And that was the first time that I read this story because, um, as I've said so many times on this show uh born and raised in small town small town there weren't comics at the grocery store there's a spinner rack it wasn't you know it wasn't up to date and it's not like i could go and buy because i didn't have money i was a kid so i was playing catch up because we didn't have uh dc universe infinite for so i was playing catch up on all i just knew tim sale you know he was in charge of the of the long Halloween art and dark victory and haunted night and, and anything else was just like, Oh, this is how I can play catch up. So I was a little late to the game, but um, yeah, it was pretty great still at, at that age to get to read this kind of stuff for the first time. It was like, hell yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> now. Um, I mean, I felt like, Unless I unless I'd done you wrong and you didn't want to come back on, I felt like you returning to the show was inevitable. But when it came to what story you wanted to pick, I had no idea what you'd pick. So how did you land on Blades? I think you and I were going back and forth about Tim Sale's work and things that he had done, and we had touched on Blades, and then that conversation ended. And then a couple days or weeks later, we had another conversation and I pushed you over the edge to buying a somewhat expensive, but very glorious <laughs> art of Tim sale book. And then, uh, right here, bigger, <laughs> you know, bigger than my head, a couple inches yeah. bigger than my head. And I got a big head. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there was that. And then you were like, yeah, we need to do an episode ASAP and, uh, mm-hmm. We snap back to Blades, so I, I was happy to revisit it, and yeah, off we go. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is that uh, there was an episode you had done a little while ago where you were expressing a, a desire to hammer the 
Legend of the Dark Knight series, um, yeah, a little more earnestly, and yeah, I, I know, I know that this story probably hadn't been taken just because it falls a little later in the run when a lot of people mm-hmm. had fallen off, and uh, yeah, I also knew that uh, the glory and honor of uh, doing a Tim Sale book with one Ryan Lauer in the Batman book club <laughs> was there for the taken. Yeah, I mean, where Pete's been the one that's gotten to touch on the haunted night specials we basically you know episode two and three of this show we knocked out long halloween and dark victory so it's like tim sale batman stories you know there's getting fewer and fewer so i'm glad that you snagged this one up because it's also it's been a while since i've read this one too so you just kind of commented about it kind of like first like reading for the first time it actually was a little bit for me too like I knew that the Cavalier was in this and what he looked like. But other than that, I was really fuzzy on, I remember some images, but as far as the story, I don't, I don't think I really remember what goes on here. So it was a uh, pretty exciting um, to approach it. This read, you know, like that, cause it was, it was very, it felt very fresh and new to me, which I I'm all for moments when that can happen again. Yeah. And this was a different experience for me too. Uh, just reading it through with the guided view on, DC universe infinite is that and, the panel by panel right yeah and yeah. uh i i love it like that's become kind of my preferred way of reading all comics uh mm-hmm. via the app but uh using the guided view and they do a really good job with uh, certain artist books and certainly in this one where they'll take you kind of panel by panel but when they have the funkier page layouts like this one does they'll yeah. actually zoom out to make sure that you uh, get a good look at absorb the- it all entire layout and and i just find that i appreciate the artwork so much more doing the guided view just because yeah it forces you to just focus on the single image and and you get some cool reveals that way too because you don't you know you, you open a book and you see what's at the bottom of the page i know, yes moments are right yeah definitely one moment i mean that will that will get to i'm sure on here where I learned a long time ago that if you have a big splash page, you know, that that needs to be, you need to make sure that hits on the left side, you know, on the left side or page, because then it's not spoiled for you. You're turning the page and then that's when it hits you. And in some, in the printings here in both the original issue and in this hardcover, this reveal that we'll talk about in a bit, like that hits you in the, like you turn the page and it's on the right side. And because you're turning, you see it and it's like, oh, and then you go to the left and then you have to see the moments that build up to it. And it's like, well, shit, <laughs> like yeah. I could have been cooler. Just been like, wait, what turn? Bam. Whoa. But I mean, also, it's not like that ruined the story for me or anything either. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, a little bit this Tim Sale black and white that you and I just kind of talked about. That's bigger than my head. Um, it's got Richard Starking with it he he worked with sale and um apologies of if he was anchor or colorist with him but i think worked up with him a lot especially like long halloween and uh dark victory and they were just like good friends but this book i think what sent me to buying it is because i thought for the longest time that it was just that it was just an art book and his art just printed basically it's just like noir but no like context just like his images um, in which I'm showing you right now, one of the long Halloween covers, it's just in black and white. But when I researched it a little more, as colors can see next to it over here, is that the whole book is basically like just interviews with sale. 
about his whole career and moments. And that's what really sold me into, ooh, insight. It's not just pictures. Sign me up. And so then I bought it. And in here, um, I've only gotten to read some of it. Obviously, the long Halloween section. And <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fantastic book. Um, but I was hoping, and they did include a little bit of how he got Blades, how he got assigned to Blades. Okay. So I was cool. like, yes, Carlos, everything is just syncing up perfectly here. Um, which, I mean, he says another thing. So this Tales of the Batman Tim Sale book as well. Okay. I'm, I, I'm just, I'm not, I don't, I'm not here. I have no uh, promotion deals here. I'm just trying to tell you when stuff is good, track it down. This book is good, especially since Tim Sale is no longer with us, but it collects, you know, like a secret origin story, his solo story, the book, uh, short story of him and Catwoman that showed up um, in the solo series, this blades and everything. It has like introductions about each story from Tim Sale as well. So if nobody's ever heard of this book or seen this book, this one's also worth tracking down, I think, because awesome. it is like, you know, it's his Batman work that isn't, you know, what we know of Haunted Night, Long Halloween, Dark Victory. And also you get some comments and some a little bit of backstory and stuff like that for each each story. So it's definitely worth it. But I mean, with this one, it was just really cool to hear of like one thing. A lot of people say this is his first Batman work. Uh, he says in this black and white book that this actually was not his first time doing Batman. The first time that he worked on Batman like his first drawing was uh, for the Batman Predator book, and he did one of the pinups in the back. So if you're getting technical, that's the first time Tim Sale did Batman, and then he did Blades. Um, sold basically, he ran into James Robinson at uh, I think San Diego Comic Con, and Robinson had said that he sold uh, Batman's story to Archie Goodwin for who was editing the title Legends of the Dark Knight. And Tim Sale was like, do you have an artist yet? And he said, no. And then Sale was like, I got to I gotta do this. I got to get on get on Batman. In which he knew Archie, sent him his work from his previous story, which is like Billy 99, which I've never read. And Archie was sold then, and then it was off and running. And then because awesome. Jeff Loeb saw his work on Batman, as Sale put it, Jeff was like, well, I want to play. And then the Halloween specials were born out of that. And then we know the rest of the history. So there's a quick little like backstory for how he got involved with blades. That's uh, cool, man. And that's, yeah, it starts it. his journey with Batman. That's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, we got the technicality of the predator issue, but, uh, you if go. you need that, let me know. And I will send you a copy from Canada because I think I had a birthday that happened in and around when the Batman predator stuff hit and really? everyone, from like my parents' friends to my actual friends, and of course I had it pulled. Everybody, for whatever reason, decided to buy me Batman versus Predator. <laughs> so I have ah. like dozen <laughs> copies of it for whatever. I have fourteen reason. copies of of Batman Predator. Yeah, uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you if you just type in Tim Sale Batman Predator, because I'm wondering if if the image looks familiar to you, because. I mean, what I was trying to think about was uh, by saying it was like a pinup, it's like, okay, so in the story itself, you know, sometimes there's like extra pages at the back. Yeah. Is is that what he means? Just like one of the extra pages in the back, I'm assuming. Um, 
Yeah, because the Batman Predator books, they all had, I think they had an image on the inside cover, if memory serves. And then they had like a handful of like, yeah, just um, almost like concept type drawings uh, or like the. Here's the black and white version. Does that look familiar to you? Absolutely. It does. Yes. Okay. 100%. Wow. There you go. We've all learned something today, or I'm a student still, and everybody else knows this. Um, oh, I just cool. know it because it's just you. the weird circumstance of. Uh... <laughs> it was the fifth gift that you open. You're like, seriously, guys, Batman Predator again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got five copies. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for Batman Predator. I Being appreciate a edgy it. On my ninth birthday. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um. All right. So the the character of the cavalier up to this point he doesn't have an extensive dc history he was created by don cameron and bob kane uh appeared in detective comics number 81 in 1943 he showed up a couple times after that his name was mortimer drake and then so you know he showed up in the, there in the 40s but then he didn't return to the comics until the bat family series like twice in 1977 um this cavalier and so that's why like i didn't know there was a previous cavalier like Mm -hmm. i thought like oh okay the cavalier is a so it's like when i showed when i saw him pop up in batman brave and the bold it was like oh they're just doing a you know a silver age version of the tim sale cavalier and it's like, uh, no, gotcha. sir, Ryan. No, 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 no. He was he was alive and well way before that Tim Sale story. In which here his name is Hudson Pyle. He's a stuntman, um, showman, loves thrill, heavily uh, influenced by Robinson and Sale by the you know those swashbucklers of like the Errol Flynn, Tyrone Power of you know Zorro back in the 30s and 40s and stuff like that. So. Carlos, I've talked a lot. I want you to just, what do you want to hit on first? I don't know. We can maybe hit on the setup for this character and Bruce in that um, I kind of dug where Robinson went with his motivations and Mm -hmm. that he was just somebody that wanted to have this costume vigilante persona for a very finite period of time because he wanted to use it to elevate himself from that stuntman kind of status into a leading man type um, role within Hollywood. And uh, yeah. And with revisiting this book after so long, I had no idea when we were jumping into it, that James Robinson had written it. And I have a great fondness for James Robinson from his Starman run from like Mm -hmm. early aughts. So yeah, reading this and that setup for Cavalier, I was like, that is a total James Robinson type character where he he's multifaceted and he's probably going to be the bad guy, but you're going to fall in love with him anyways and enjoy him all the way through. And yeah, I, I really dug what they did with the character there and then juxtaposed with Bruce simply being too busy. And that's yeah. what opens um cavalier to becoming the 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 de facto hero of the people for gotham yeah i think so sticking with him hudson pie i think that that's actually kind of a really cool and feels fresh and also 
humanistic and relatable kind of idea of this guy. Okay, I'm kind of, I want to elevate my career. Mm-hmm. I am a showman. I'm going to be this vigilante and then reveal myself. And that's how I'm going to then start getting these, you know, these major roles, the, you know, the starring roles and stuff like that. And it kind of is like, that's actually kind of brilliant. Yeah. Like, and, and you're, you're realizing up to, up to that point when he says that. So in book one, as you're getting introduced to this character, you're like, Oh, that's his big flaw. Well, that's, that's fine. Like that's as bad as he gets. Okay. That's fine. And in my head though, in reading it, I'm like, I thought that there, he was kind of a villain though. Um, was totally forgetting about this, you know, this whole Mr. Lime thing, which I think is kind of, uh, you know, that's like a, a C plot D plot of the story, but it, it's there to service what Batman, how Batman isn't as zoned in mm-hmm. because he becomes so obsessed with this, with this murderer and rightfully so. Um, but I think that's how Cavalier can, I mean, you know, Hudson Pyle can get, I don't know. It can become what he can get as far as he gets without kind of being checked and then what he turns into um without being checked but i think he's he's handled delicately by robinson that like i don't know he's he's a good character i think absolutely and he's he's multi-layered and his yeah multi-layered there you go his downfall wasn't malicious and i'll yeah and even though they set him up, he he's not even selfish at the outset, really, if you think about it. He, he's just not simply as altruistic as the heroes that we're used to and certainly not as altruistic as Bruce, right? So yeah. it's like you said, you have this three-dimensional flawed character and you kind of fall in love with him. And even his downfall doesn't come about because of greed or power or anything of that nature. It's just kind of the circumstances that present itself, and he makes a few of those decisions that Batman probably wouldn't make with uh, yeah. helping out the lady that becomes involved a little later in the story. He gets all he gets love struck, and hey, we've been there, right? We've been there, yeah, uh, absolutely. And and the reasons for how he gets caught in her web, and it's like she's not even, you know, what she did isn't. Watch my length or not, watch how I say this. I'm like. What she did isn't bad, but it's like purely incidental and yeah. accidental in self-defense. Accidents happen. Probably wrong that you just didn't tell the truth right away. Yeah. That's that's her biggest mistake, it seems, because then it got, you know, it just got worse and worse, as we've seen in a lot of uh, stories. But uh, yeah, and I think... Cavalier snowballing. And it's just, it's crazy when I stopped and I, and I was thinking about it and I was making some notes for this is a, a three issue arc, which became known for the legends of the dark Knight title of like three and five issue arcs, um, which are great because, and there's so many stories jam pack so much without overstuffing though, in these arcs for this title. And with this one, it is played out in like, a really good three act structure, I think for these issues. Like when I read this, yes, the look of some of this, of the art and stuff that sale did, but also 
the way that the story plays out, I was like, man, this was like a Batman, the animated series episode waiting to happen. I think. Yeah, totally. Like if I have a complaint about the, the story itself is that I all, and I kind of go back and forth with it. Cause it does feel like a pretty tight three acts, three act play. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like it needs a fourth or a fifth issue just okay. to flesh out a, a bit of the romance and maybe a bit of the relationship with Cavalier and Batman. Because if you could have some moments where Batman checks in on him as he's doing the crime fighting thing, or maybe they do, you know, stop some kind of crime together and you have Batman become a bit more enamored with him. Yeah. It would make the fall that much more poignant, but at the same time, there's something to be said for just a tight three issue story, right? And yeah, one that's been collected as many times as this one has. Did you get any widening gyre vibes? Oh, yeah, with like Baphomet for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for I, did, sure. I yeah. definitely too. I mean, obviously, that one goes a little bit, <laughs> a, a little bit further, a lot further. But I did have a little bit of that of like a new vigilante and, oh, you're an ally. I'll trust you. And then because it's only three issues that has to get, you know, that has to evolve and by the second issue. And, ugh, but yeah, that it's so it was it was kind of reading these issues reminded me of like there was a lot of like ding, ding, Batman, the animated series. It made me think of elements of it made me think the long Halloween for sure. Other elements was like, oh, the widening gyre. Um, a lot of good stuff with this story, um, you know, by the uh, story itself. And then, of course, the art. So it's like, what a great pairing of these two. Even though it's like Robinson already wrote it. It was already done. Yeah. Um, he sold the story already and Tim Sale came aboard. But I mean, Sale, of course, he said he said that he and Robinson became, you know, phone friends and calling and stuff. And as artists and writers do communicating and how, like, you know, in drawing um, the panels and the pages in which he even commented to that he felt, and he apologized. He said, sorry, James, but he felt like the script was kind of restrictive in the sense of it was pretty specific. And he didn't feel like he had a lot of room to do his own thing. It was like he needed to do what was scripted next, what was scripted next sort of like approach to it. And I think he ended up liking, I think why Loeb works so well with him, he said, is because of almost like a freedom of, you know, be Tim Sale, add your Tim Saleness. But knowing that looking at this, I'm like, I think all this oozes Tim Sale, like every page. I don't think it's lacking anything. To be honest, honest, like the the part of it that got me kind of excited with reading it and giddy at the prospect of talking about it with you is that you could see those foundational elements for his prototypical characters and those ticks that he has when drawing Batman and Gotham and Gordon and Alfred, but they weren't as refined yet. It's not as though everything got established in this book. And he just carried it forward through um, his work with Loeb, where it's just like there's panels where Batman has a lot more detail than we usually see from Tim Sale. There's panels where, or over the course of the book even, 
Mm-hmm. You can see him experimenting with how the mask just fits on Batman's head, and the years aren't as stylized as there are with um, the and the cape. Yeah. Well, moments of the cape, you could see like the evolution of like, oh, it, this is where it's begun, and the cape is almost like a symbiote, you know, with Venom <laughs> and how the bottom. It almost seems like you know later on, especially like in Long Halloween, like the bottom of his cape. It's just like out and like curling up and stuff. And here in some of the pages, like the cape, there's a lot of, it almost seems like one panel in particular, it's almost like the cape's like shredded, you know, in in stuff, which is cool. I love it. Um, I love it. But even in that panel, it it had the cape, it has so much more detail than it does Mm -hmm. in his later work, right? Mm -hmm. And there's that rescue scene where he rescues the the old lady from the senior's home that gets set on yeah. fire, right? And they have the big glorious splash page of him leaping out of the fiery building. And it was almost as though that's the moment that the Tim Sale Batman arrives, where you've had like an issue and a half where he's kind of finding his way and feeling out what Tim Sale's Batman is. And mm-hmm. then that's like that's the one splash that it's like this could have been from haunted night this could have been from dark victory like yeah. just pull the years up a couple couple inches and uh exaggerate that just a right? little bit more um he so since we're talking about that one thing that i thought oh man this is this is tim sale is when he's in gordon's office and the blinds like for some reason on the blinds, I'm like, yeah, that looks that's classic Tim Sale. It totally. looks great. Yeah. The when he's questioning some some people trying to find out about Lyme, there's one guy he has up against uh against the brick and the eyes. That guy's eyes looked just like like a combination of Maroney's or maybe Harvey's uh eyes in long Halloween when the acid's coming at him and it's big and it's like that's what made me feel the Randolph Salt, his bodyguard, his face kind of looks like Maroney's from the Long Halloween. So I'm yep. start, and I started to feel like there's an intro written by Richard Starkins in this hardcover where he talks about Tim Sale and his and noses, and that's how he's kind of like to me. That was like that's like a characteristic of Sales is like he knows his noses or whatever. And I'm like, you know, for me, I think it's eyes. Like, yeah, it's, I, I, Tim Sale, you just know like. Of course, and he, you know, it's him sale image, period, when you see it. But I do think like something that always, like, it's just always the eyes to me. Totally. And with the eyes, it's also the detailing and the amount of um, expression that he works around them. So like, yeah, even with that image that you're talking about, like the lines that come up around the eyebrows and around like kind of the bags under the eyes and whatnot, right? Like, mm-hmm that's what really starts to set his stuff apart. Um, for me, it's like, I don't know what they call like the little clef under your nose between your nose and where your lips are. Oh yeah. Like right here in the middle. Boop, boop, yeah. Boop. Yeah. That was the thing that I noticed was the most, <laughs> cause it, it like in the long Halloween books and whatnot. Yeah. Like, it's pretty stylized and pronounced. Whereas here you could see him kind of playing with what it's supposed to look like maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I thought that was a, an interesting thing where I nice. decided to discuss it with my wife and she wasn't nearly as interesting to discuss <laughs> Tim Sale art with as you are. What? <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I could go tell Mira. She'd be like, okay, yep. 
Sure. Let's talk about something else now. But as you're saying, like getting to refine, I totally agree with you too, because then that splash of him in the, him in the bat cave, I think to me, there's a distinction of his Bruce Wayne, like first haunted night. And then I, I not first haunted night, um, fears and then ghosts. So like the, you know, the first special, the last special, and then long Halloween, like he definitely, I think, worked on his Bruce with that. And this definitely looks like early Bruce to where I think I could see this image and be like, oh, that's early Tim Sale. Um, yeah, it almost has like a Kelly Jones aesthetic to it. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, it's. And of course, none of it's bad no. at all. It's no. just you can just see it in which, you know, like if, with anybody art evolves over time so i think he started to refine his characters a little bit more and of course i'm going to have a bias like my exposure with him was long halloween so that's like that's my standard Mm -hmm. and if it's different than the long halloween it's like well that's good but it's no long halloween and i mean that's my criteria for any batman now i mean that's with anything in life right now you know uh you name a movie and it's like yeah it was pretty good it wasn't the long Halloween. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I, I like my job, but it's it's not the long Halloween. It's not the long Halloween. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, the, the Bible's a pretty good book. Then it's it's not the long Halloween, you know. <laughs> Maybe Shoot, I'll cut that out. Whoops. <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble with a few people on your uh, canceled on your channel. <laughs> Moving right along there. Um so let's see, let's talk. I mean so the character of Ellen, I do think is a. Imp- I mean, it's important her inclusion in the story. One because he flat out saves her, and I think he even is. Uh, Cavalier even says like, you know, he's finding some thrill in being like a vigilante. But then, of course, as I think anybody could probably feel this way of like, if you do save somebody's life, that's like, man, that's elevating it to the next level of like that feeling of helping somebody in which as he's out being a vigilante and it's all, you know, showboating and feeling good. And then I'm an actor, I'm a stunt man. And then now you see somebody's like, he sees that she's on the bridge. She's going to jump and he saves her from that. And he says like, you know, basically that, that's when he's love struck right away. And he loves, yeah. oh, I, love, I love her. Oh my God. I love her. Ah. Yeah, the endorphin rush coupled with the beautiful woman. And yeah, it's game over for Cavalier. There you go. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the swashbuckler movies right there, too. Sweeping in, saving a gal, and then being like, I'm a hero. And she yeah. loves me, too. Uh, but then, like, we learn more. And I think that this is paced really well by Robinson in the sense, okay, we have somebody who's targeting the elderly that we're introduced to right away, murdering elderly people. Then we're, we open up the second book that there's a, you know, a jewel thief. And it's kind of like, where's the correlation here? What do we, like, how does this all connect? Is this jewel thief now not murdering people and instead just stealing? But then, nope, because somebody else tries to get murdered. It's like, how does this all, huh? Meanwhile, we're introduced to yet another character, this Ellen woman. And we're slowly fed her backstory as well. And I'm trying to see what happens first. We don't get her backstory until the third book. Three, yeah. So, and it's in the second book that we realize this thief is actually the Cavalier, which I think they do a really 
who we'll just say it was teamwork um sale and robinson when you get a glimpse of whoever this thief is but you do only see just the eyeball mm-hmm. and then you know it goes uh two pages later and this is where they did pace it correctly because on the right you have police saying there a man hey and then you turn the page and then it's the cavalier so it's like hey that one was done correctly but he's a thief now and it's kind of like wait what what's going yeah, they, on here they did a good job with the setup and the misdirect where yeah and I, and I loved because they got to give bruce a bit of a character beat too where it's like all these high profile gothamites are getting robbed so the pressure comes down on the police and gordon's like dude i'm getting squeezed by the mayor's yeah. office and the power players but then bruce is like i don't care this is people's yeah. property i'm trying to save these uh potential victims out here from mr lime i have a serial killer to catch and he refuses to work the case of the jewel thief and then so i thought it was cool that it also opened the door to show what the city thinks of cavalier and he's like yeah go Mm -hmm. use that guy and they're like oh yeah we'd we'd love to use him and all of gotham is cheering and whatnot and um yeah you you get the kind and they kind of have cavalier's dialogue make it seem like he's excited to Go yeah. out and have his first major foil and whatnot. And I I I don't like when Batman and Gordon fight. And though they didn't fight here, Batman was very cold to Gordon. I'm just like, I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. Fine. Use the cavalier. You know, sort of deal and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, but Gordon and Gordon, you know, he was a champ. He was just like, oh, Batman must be busy, you know? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> ah, shucks. Okay, you can go through him. I'll meet up with this Cavalier guy instead who becomes his fill-in. And I mean, looking at it now, of course, it's kind of it's kind of brief because, you know, this whole story is just three issues. But uh, it's moving the story along. And for me... It wasn't too quickly. I just think like it did hit at the right moments. I love the fact that as soon as we see that it is the Cavalier as the Jewel Thief, Batman, who just coming off the heels of uh, saving somebody's life at an awards ceremony, comes flying in on his Bat Gyro. What ah. a great throwback. To- <laughs> the Whirly Bat. Nothing beats the Whirly Bat, man. Ah, it's beautiful. I love it. And I just, oh my God, it just made me laugh because I'm like, it looks silly, but also why the hell not? Uh, this is comic books after all. Um, I love it. But I mean, as far as the story goes, I mean, like it adds to, I think if you like stop and think about it for Batman in the sense of I've gotten so obsessed with this that I let, in a way it's like I let somebody in mm-hmm. and this person can't be trusted. Because, I mean, as we know with Batman, he has a history of, like, proving why he thinks this way. But, you know, it's like uh, like this. Oh, Cavalier, now you're kind of like, you're the enemy now the, without context. Even though he does end up saying later on a little bit, uh, he ends up saying more of, um, I'll wait, I'll wait till we get there. I'm blabbing. Let's reset. The Cavalier is a jewel thief, but we get we get context in the next book of Ellen's backstory. We're getting all the why now of why he, you know, he was a 
he's a hero and now he's he's a thief and he's doing it basically to prevent this guy from blackmailing her because she was involved in a, an abusive marriage and she finally defended herself and hit her husband back which set him in a rage in which she grabbed the first thing she could see which was a knife and he came at her and impaled himself but uh-oh this really nasty dude named randolph salt what a name um he witnessed it and basically now he's blackmailing her so cavalier wants to he's got the bloody uh murder weapon <laughs> He's got he's got the knife in the study, and it was uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> Colonel Mustard. <laughs> See, um, and so that's the whole to quit the blackness. So that gives some more context now to where it doesn't. I don't. I firmly believe that not every single villain needs uh needs a whole backstory. It needs you to really like root for them, and some it really works. Some like, and it's easy to say Joker. Joker's great. Just is. I don't need to know. Don't need to feel sympathy for him. Cavalier's not a villain, but now it's like, oh, you're understanding more motivation. So it's really hard in context to be like, nope, he's a bad guy. Got to take him down. It's like, well, he's it's a he's a tragic hero right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you almost wanted Bruce's whirly bat to catch an updraft or something and allow yeah. him to get away. And yeah, no, I I really felt for this character by the end and it's like one of those rare books where you're almost hoping that bruce loses right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> let him go just let him yeah. go let him go and and i thought it was interesting how they put them on and it speaks to robinson's writing and uh, how uh how he took care of those small things that he knew people would ask questions about like how does this stuntman get the best of batman or uh is he able to go toe-to-toe with batman and he basically gives Batman the flu because mm-hmm. he was pushing himself too hard looking for Mr. Lime. And so you had an basically half an issue and maybe the beginning of this issue where they showcase Bruce being sick and Mr. Lime almost gets the jump on him just because he's so out of sorts and he's he's really fighting uh, his flu symptoms. So yeah, they did a good job of setting that up. And then I thought it was cool how Batman was sporting and accepting the duel with, yeah. the, <laughs> with the swords there. So almost felt like a little Rod goal sort of dueling match too of like, you know, let's challenge to the duel sword fight. Like, yeah. Boom. All right, totally. let's do this. Let's break this down. Um, so this is where I was when Cavalier shows up to salt's penthouse uh, to get the bloody the bloody knife, he <laughs> basically saw just kind of is like this doesn't clear anything because I've still got her in my back pocket if I need to go. So it, it doesn't fully resolve it doesn't resolve it completely. But I'm like I envy you a little bit the way that you read it in digitally because this is where like I turn the page and my eye immediately went to the full page spread of blood and cavalier standing there with a sword. And that's what I saw. And I was like, Oh, okay. But then the page before it, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, there's 13 panels building up to that ultimate moment to where it is a little like, ah, that'd have been cool to go through that page 
in that breakdown building up to the big and then turn the page oh shit like yeah one that <laughs> that that was totally my experience where it's like you're reading with such fresh eyes and yeah. they they had showcased cavalier like how he goes about um taking out bad guys with his sword with like the pokes to shoulders and knees mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and so when he um leans into these two you think it, you kind of have that faint hope that he doesn't kill him and then yeah the the next panel fills your screen and it's maybe the most glorious image in the book i mean we'll we'll get there we'll yeah. see we'll, we'll see, see. <laughs> <laughs> strap in folks um yeah so i mean and i mean that adds to like with the next i mean batman in the meantime has tracked down mr lime in which i'm glad that i read this over again because i guess like the you could i guess you could say like what's the weakest and i i even hate saying that um the the mr lime subplots and reveal the and it, it was fine it didn't blow me away though so that may be in how you said you could have benefited from another issue or two mm-hmm. maybe in that department if i had to say one thing that i could see it is fleshing that out a little more to add a little bit more tension and a big ah with yeah that. we're yeah because bruce's realization after we've seen him over numerous pages just kind of agonizing over who lime was um, yeah it, it came a bit quick in, in that it's just kind of this eureka panel and it yeah. almost like i almost got the sense that and then the transition from the bridge save to uh ellen living at cavalier's home I, mm-hmm. I, those transitions were a bit too abrupt for me which is why yeah, i had, gotcha. year, had that another issue would have benefited and then yeah flesh it out with batman cavalier relationship stuff and uh whatnot but um yeah like i i i'm with you in that i didn't love that aspect either but i was grinning year to year and just like i i adored the fact that it was the pathology aspect of it and the behavioral science part of it that bruce used to be able to figure out who the killer was and that he he's just like oh the uh, the mo for this particular crime is so markedly different and because of how up close and personal and vicious this crime was that yeah tells me from you know his forensic pathology that it would be somebody who is closer to the victim this is a crime of passion and so then yeah you kind of zoom out so i i liked how Robinson built um, the resolution to the Mr. Lime story, or at mm-hmm. least how Bruce figures it out. I was like, ah, that's a little bit of world's greatest detective. Yeah, like that that's great stuff there. It's yeah. not just like, oh, back <laughs> on Kane and Finger Avenue. Uh, um that's what this clue means. Like something <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was like it was cool that it was uh, something that a real detective would figure out type of thing too. So, and I mean, I guess you could, you could deliver it too. So, and I'm glad that I, I went, so I first flipped back to see, I was like, have we seen this guy before? The names are mentioned of the, the parents as the murder victims. 
And then, you know, there's a page where he says that, you know, he saw their funerals. Um, I'm, but as Batman, I met those the murdered had left behind orphans, though middle aged and most with families of their own yet. Mm-hmm. In which he speaks to, you know, the Almero's daughter, the Dewhurst son, the Litvak's children. And now, like, that's it. So you you see Dewhurst once, you see his parents once, but I mean, also you could argue though, like, well, yeah, that's like a murder case can be a murder case as well as much as you have of, okay, you've just got a picture of suspects and now try and figure it out. And it does, there isn't any part that doesn't add up. I don't think for me, it just felt a little too brief. That's yeah. all. Yeah, they they get to it a little a little fast, and part of it is because so much of Bruce's story and his investigation happens off page, right? Like you never, yeah. you never yeah. see it. You're just kind of checking in with him every once in a while, and uh, this was very much a Cavalier, yeah, first story. Like I, I'd be curious <laughs> to actually go and count up the amount of pages and panels that he has versus Batman, but. Yeah, which you alluded to. I mean, you kind of said that at the beginning, too. It's kind of based almost like a, it's a cavalier story, and I fully agree with that. Uh, but I don't I don't necessarily have like an issue with that either, because the Batman and Bruce moments really, really work. The Mr. Lime storyline. I mean, OK, why is it Mr. Lime? Well, is it because Dewars is trying to create a way to get out of it and cover up his tracks. And I think that adds up pretty well. The that gets Bruce obsessed to where he's like not paying as much attention. Cause you know, legends of the dark Knight was meant as early in his career. So he's still learning to be that world's greatest detective. So he's not fully focused on other elements to where he lets other things slip by him or lets Cavalier in as Cavalier turns out to do some things that Batman wouldn't, wouldn't have allowed otherwise would have paid more attention to. Um, and then there's this, this whole element of everything's like striking to bringing back memories for Bruce of, you know, Zorro. Mm-hmm. What that name and that connection is to Bruce Wayne, you know, how that instantly reminds him of, you know, like his the worst moment of his life. And I think I love that angle. I think um, what that symbolizes and means and connects to. And how that is the cloud covering this whole arc is like winks and nods of Zorro. Yeah. Not just because not only because Robinson and sale were fans of that character and, you know, and those stories and stuff, but because also like, no, that's like a Zorro goes hand in hand with Batman in his history. Yeah. Like us fans know what that means. When we hear Zorro, it's like, Oh shit. He was watching when his parents were killed. And that's just, that's everywhere. And when the, when the at the award ceremony, the I always forget his name. Um, while he's getting his award, you know, he even says, Okay, Melvin Amesh, he says, You know, he's basically he, he has it covered because he thinks he's going to catch Mr. Lime, and instead it's like, Oh no, it's just he's not here. You know, he got here before me, he's going to kill Amesh. He knew Tyrone Power. He can't die. Tyrone Power was an actor that played Zorro in, um, I forget which Zorro movie it was, way back in the time. So Bruce is almost thinking, like, it's that connection. Not yeah. only just saving our lives, like, this guy knew the guy who played Zorro. 
the night that my parents were murdered because that was the last movie I saw with them. You know what I mean? It's like it's all connecting back to that moment too, which is just like it's not force fed on us in a way either. No, uh, it feels very natural and organic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And it's reading that over again. It's like forgot all of that about this story. Ne- didn't remember any of those kind of angles other than the cavalier is like a swashbuckler, you know. So that was like a welcome surprise in revisiting this for sure. Yeah, no, no, they did some, and actually, just kind of going back to your your thought about Batman the animated series, like, did they play with this a little bit with the Gray Ghost? Uh, sure, with the whole I mean, yeah. kind of he gets framed for being the Mad Bomber and that, and I wonder, like, it just I don't know, I'll have to revisit that. Having Paul Dini come on the show, I want to ask. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There I you got go. questions for you, or Bruce <laughs> Tim. You know, I'll take anybody, anybody who's on. Uh, no, I think that's a interesting connection. I mean, sure, that adds up. There's similarities there as far as tones and, and stuff and themes. Yeah, the, like the, it certainly factored heavy into that episode because they played mm-hmm. up the, the happy memory that he had with his parents um, with the Grey Ghost being the stand-in for Zorro. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Just the thought I had as you were you were kind of detailing out that award go. ceremony piece. Connected but. to Batman the Animated Series. Can't believe that this episode didn't happen. What were they thinking? That show had so much potential. <laughs> <laughs> it would still be on Flushed the air. It away. Yeah, yeah it'd it's still happening. be on all these years later. Yeah, it must, they ran out of ideas. It was right here, staring at them all along. Uh, this, I mean... If this was the first arc that Sale did, and as previously the only Batman he'd drawn was that Batman Predator issue, then like this has got to be the first time he drew Joker and Riddler, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a great looking Joker. Absolutely, it is. I love it. Like, I don't know. I really like his long Halloween Joker and Haunted Night, but I think it's one image, one panel, but I think this might be. My favorite of his. Oh I don't shoot! Know. Did we have a revelation? As we <laughs> maybe like I don't I I love that image of the Joker. I think that's great. I think that whole page is freaking awesome as it is. As he's you know because that's one. Uh, I'm not showing my hand for uh, a favorite, but I mean that that panel can you know what's going on if you don't have words, you know it's all internal internal monologue, um. And you get what's going on with this page, but I just think that oh, there's so much good stuff in this, and I I do think that Joker is, I don't know, it's that's a creepy freaking image of the Joker too. So I don't take it over. Well, I like even, it, <laughs> even just the way that it's framed out, right? Yeah. And so yeah, this really sticks a pin in the fact that Bruce isn't at the top of his game, right? Because he's having this dream because he's sick, and Alfred is like dude, you need to sleep it off for a bit. Yeah. And uh, so much of this experience reading this book was, like you said, like remembering back the first time you read um, these issues of Legends of the Dark Knight. Like it was a big deal that the Joker wasn't in Legends of the Dark Knight. And it was a big deal that there's no Joker and a big deal that there was no Robin, right? So Mm -hmm. that they kind of set up these things. And I think it was very purposeful that they have, Joker and Riddler, who 
this is thirties. I think Joker's first issue or appearance was issue fifty or whatever. Memory serves. They made a big deal about it. So you hadn't really seen the Joker in the Legends book. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, are they gonna start going down that way? Are we gonna start getting the rogues? But then Joker Riddler and then Hugo Strange, and it's like, well, why would you put him in? But that's because that is the big bad for the Legends of the Dark Knight up to that point. We've already had Prey. Yeah. At that point. Um, which I mean, if you're listening to this and you haven't read Prey, Javi came on and we talked about it a long time ago. But also do yourself a favor and read Prey. Holy shit. What a great story. I've never asked you if you like that story. Oh man, I like those first three arcs are probably the most underrated Batman comics of all time. Shaman right. Prey and Venom. Like Venom gets a bit Gothic. of a showcase. Gothic, oh, Gothic was the second one. There. Yeah. And Gothic. So there you, I mean, there you go. Like, got Graham Morrison in there. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. That's their, that's the starting for the, the first four arcs of this title. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> wow. Man. Maybe. <sighs> Snyder's Court of Owls. But then it's just like, you know, beginning of arcs on any other title. What's up there with that? I don't know. That's a that's a discussion. Um. Anyways, getting sidetracked. This is a good story. <laughs> this is a good story. Uh, I'm trying to think if there is anything else that I hadn't uh, touched on. The big, I do like, I kind of feel like this is maybe a little bit of, you know, sale have at it with the, the duel between Batman and Cavalier on those pages. Oh, yeah. It was great. And man, this was another one where the reader was phenomenal because yeah. you got to, they did such a good job mastering this one because as the duel plays out, they zoom in on the bubbles and there's a couple of them where they actually come to an image in the foreground and mm-hmm. then they zoom it out a bit so that you nice. see the, um, the words like the word blocks, but you also get to see the shadows on the back wall and you get to kind of see how the fight had progressed. That means somebody's paying attention. Whoever's constructing this is paying attention. They're a storyteller. They're like, this is how we're going to present this story. Well done. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate that. And it it was, it was cool. And yeah, I, I do agree that this was Tim being able to kind of cut loose a little bit. And yeah, I thought the duel was, just the right length of time mm-hmm. where it was didn't get too crazy but you know he kind of takes it off the rooftop and down the side of the building and um you know batman yeah. sw- swinging around on the ever-present crane hooks and, and, and it's like that i think it's um trying to think if it's yeah so it's the it's madness in haunted night when he's fighting mad hatter on the train and it's a two-page splash, but it's almost like it's sectioned here, 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 here on that train. Same thing here in this two-page splash with the Cavalier in that they start in the bottom left, and it's like they move up and over, up and over, down and over, down and over to where mm-hmm. it's only two pages, but it's not just like one image on the two pages. It's It's storyboarding it in a way that's like really cool. Oh yeah, it's a it's a full battle. You get to see the progression. You get to see, like, just looking at these two pages, you get to see the ebbs and flows of this sword yeah. fight. 
right? And it yeah. kind of leads into the Cavalier thinking like, shoot, I'm in way over my head and Bruce being like, this guy's way better than I gave him credit for being. Yeah, which and... is really cool. Yeah. I, I love that part. It's an even match. Um, but it looks like Cavalier has the upper hand. But then it's like it just proves to show that he's he isn't a bad guy. In this whole story, he wasn't a bad guy. Uh, first of all, he saved Batman. And then even mm-hmm. told him of like, if I was a murderer, but I'm not. And then here he kind of even shows it too of like, let's see. Like his exact quote was, you know, let me in this whole sorry mess. I don't know how I have to finish it myself. Uh, I'm trying to think, but he basically, like he basically said, I wasn't going to, he wasn't going to kill him no matter what anyways, mm-hmm. you know? And then he's like an honorable guy and he just <sighs> empties the shells out of the gun and then goes walk, walking out, you know, like, I don't know, like, it's weird to call that, like, heroic, but that's such a, like, throwback to, like, older movies. I think of, like, an old Western or something of, like, I'm going to die on that hill. I'm going to walk out here. You know, it's ending on my terms. Well, that's death. Yeah, that's, like, the only resolution that he could possibly have, right? Where Mm -hmm. it's just, like, I take the fall for, well, I let the police kill me. They think that they've killed the jewel thief. Batman doesn't get any insight into Ellen whatsoever. So that lets her kind of move forward and live her life. And yeah, um, I, I got to ask. So, so when the roof starts to give on Bruce, yeah. were you kind of hoping that Cavalier just went on his merry way and disappeared into the night? Yeah. <laughs> cause, cause I, was kinda, I was hoping that he got away. Just go away. Just got go. To have his happily ever after. But, uh, I do yeah. love that that reveal and how he says I Batman says right before the duel even starts and Batman says I owe you I look you haven't murdered anyone it's just those thefts return what you stole and vanish I won't come looking for you and I mean just and he's mostly in shadow as Cavalier just says you know they haven't been reported yet and then it's Batman panel no dialogue just a look and yeah. it's like Man, that's, I don't know. That's such a great moment that I think I'm just thinking of live action, a moment, something like this, or, you know, hell, even in a cartoon, like, man, that could hit really, really like great and almost like a damn it sort of, you know, a little bit of a gut punch for us as fans. Like, ah, damn it. Oh, totally, man. You you do two of these uh, Legends of Dark Knight arcs, these three issue jobbies in an animated movie with that glorious new style that they broke out for the super sons. Mm. (laughs) Give it to me all day long. They can do some things. Uh, Carlos, is there anything else in this that we haven't touched on that you uh, really wanted to? Uh, No, I think we touched on everything. I'd probably say like, as we talk through it and uh, my mind kind of flashes back to, this series coming out and when you talked about Bruce meeting Cavalier for the first time and allowing somebody else to operate in Gotham, like that, I remember that being a big part of the discussion as I uh, read the old comic shop news back in the day and uh, the wizard magazine and things of that nature was that having a Batman with no sidekicks, just the Mm -hmm. loner Batman. And like I said before, like that was a thing for this title 
not having Joker and not having Robin. But um, I kind of liked how they played with a bit of Bruce's development, like Mm -hmm. truly in putting in some stepping stones for where he gets to later on in the series. Cause this, and this is only like issue 34, 32. 35. Yeah. Uh, 32 and, to 34. And Robin, if memory serves, like I think the first issue that Robin's in is issue 100 of legends of the dark Knight. So, okay. Um, that I they had remember. that much patience is it, mm-hmm. it, it was just a different era of storytelling back then. Like I, I love what we're getting now. And, um, there was just so many titles and especially in the nineties that were just a mess, but it's like legend of the dark Knight. It's this diamond in the rough where it's like you had amazing stories being told by incredible talents. Yeah. James Robinson and Tim sale doing like a three issue arc just in the middle of this book, flashy villains, no anniversary issue. Yeah. No, nothing. It's just, and that's the strength of it is anything of, of the title. And that's, why I, I came to appreciate it like another strength and why I came to appreciate it so much is this could have been the first issue of legends of the dark Knight that you read and you wouldn't be lost. Mm-hmm. You read issue 32, you jump in on issue 32 and it's like, you're not lost. And then if you missed this arc, well then pick up issue 35. You're not lost. If you pick up issue 34, you only have to read the previous two. It's not shit. I got to read the first 33 issues to understand 34. You know, it's like by having those small increment arcs, it's like anybody could, it wasn't intimidating to jump in. Totally. And like one of the things that I find is lost with so many books and they're rectifying it a bit with their approach with um, Gotham Knights, right? That's the anthology book. Urban Legend? Urban Legends, yeah. Okay. Sorry. That you and Pete have got me back on after I from listening to your monthly wrap-ups. But uh is publishers looking for people that have a story to tell? Like just like you started this mm-hmm. episode with, where it's like James Robinson is like, Hey, I have a Batman story I want to tell. Here it is, Archie Goodwin, and let's tell that story, right? Instead of um kind of forcing things that might yeah. not need to happen with these like i think people are too hung up on monthly books and continuity and all this kind yeah. of stuff like there's something to be said for just i'm inspired as a writer i have a special story i want to tell and off we go and something to be said for a publisher that offers something like legends of the dark knight where yeah this is the landing spot for people that want to do that kind of storytelling and for them to be doing that like 1992 or whatever this was yeah that's awesome yeah and i i mean that's i was hoping that like the black label line would kind of be that there would be Mm, a consistency of something like this um i think there in some ways it is in some ways it isn't um that's a discussion for you know another day but i don't think that and though they've launched legends of the dark knight i know at least twice unless i i've missed Maybe three. I feel like there's only it's only been two. They just did an eight. It was digital first, but and then physically, um, because Pete and I covered it, they did three or they did a eight issue run was the most recent one. And I think every issue of that was pretty great. 
And so I was really hoping of like, oh, they're doing another Legends of the Dark Knight. It's going to be ongoing. It's going to be short because each the first I think the first arc was Derek Robertson wrote and illustrated. I think I think that was three issues. And then the yeah. remaining issues were all just one. Yeah. And it had a weird rollout. Like you said, it was like digital first and then they collected in physical issues and yeah. And then, then like a, trade. a trade right away. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, when I was poking around on the on the app, I ended up finding the trade and used the Fabok yeah. image for my background on my iPad. Yeah. So I'll, I'll have to read those. But um, yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said for it. But as you know, with uh, every time they announce a new book or a new initiative or a story that they're telling within three comments on Twitter or Instagram, where does this fit in continuity? It's yeah. Bad. Just ah enjoy. man, yeah, just that's enjoy. not why we're doing it. Come on, just enjoy. <laughs> yep, <laughs> just enjoy. Uh, Carlos, I'd like to ask you a couple favorites, real quick. What was your favorite part of Blades? Favorite part of Blades, it, it's got to be the moment with Cavalier at the end where he throws down his sword and makes kind of that heroic sacrifice, I think, where. He explains that he's not a killer, takes the bullets out of the gun and basically commits the suicide type of thing so that he's not pursued by Batman for the rest of his life and so that Ellen, if she doesn't say anything, can kind of live out the rest of her days in some form <clears throat> of peace. I Smiling because I didn't know if I was going to sound morbid to say that that was my favorite part because that was that was gonna be my favorite part too. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> because it's it. such like a I don't know an honorable, brave, heroic in a weird twisted way to end his story, and it's kind of like I don't know that was this is a cavalier story and look at how he's ending it like on his terms and shit. I'm like, man, he's a badass. <laughs> no, it was yeah, it was it was just so well done, and part of it is just because of the setup, right, where you have someone who arguably has selfish motivations at the outset of this thing and then has a has a fall and they may they put a pin in it and saying like he kind of hates himself for enjoying the fact that he takes out salt in his bodyguard and then he has a bit of a redemption at the end where um by sacrificing himself he makes whole Batman and more so Ellen, right? So, yeah, I, I don't think it's morbid at all if you allowed yourself to to get behind the eyes of these characters, so to speak. Um, We're in this together. Yeah, we did absolutely. It. Uh, how about a favorite panel? It, to be honest, like the easy one would be kind of that rooftop panel that you showed me before, with yeah. like Batman holding the cape. And it's got that kind of David Mazzucchelli year one vibe to it. And that's a cool image and it's like tattoo worthy and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But there's the image after Cavalier takes out salt and the bodyguard. And it is just pure Tim sale where he's kind of standing in the window and you've got the blood splatter on the back. The reveal that was ruined for me. That and you've one. got, and you've got Cavalier, and he's got like the ornate costume. Yeah, but it, it's kind of in the shadows. But Sale 
blasts in those shadows, but allows like kind of the gold um, embroidery from his shoulder pauldrons to shine through and uh, just glorious. And it, with so much of this book feeling like a, an early Tim sale where he's refining his, his style and the look of his art and everything else. This one could have been ripped out of dark victory. Like it, it felt very refined and very Tim sale unleashed type of thing. So nice. That, that one is going to be mine. Good one. All right. Um, mine is not the full page that has Joker Riddler strange and all that, even though, like I said, I loved that, that image. Mine's a little bit more simple than that. And it's funny that you said Mezzichelli because I really think in book one, right above where he's looking at the funeral, you have a panel of Batman on the roof with the blue and his cape, as I said earlier, of shredded and stuff. Um, yeah. That to me kind of looks minus the cape aspect, but like the coloring it on the roof, like that looks kind of Mezzichelli, I think. But I mean, that's just Batman on a roof in the moonlight. And some and he's mostly kind of in silhouette. It's just like that's a tattoo image. Oh shit. It's, per- it's perfect, man. Like I said. <laughs> yeah, love it, it. It's like if I get that ink on my skin, it's uh it's a keeper. There you go. I'll get that fully across my back. Right That'd well. look great a day at the beach, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh now would you, I mean kind of brought it up and I knew this, but there was no way of, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but um, would you like to see this adapted in animation? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I, I'm kind of maybe I'm becoming just crotchety, but it's like I want to see audience. Aren't we all? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I I want to see audiences with superhero fare kind of pushed a little bit, right, and pushed towards a story like this that's a little lighter on the spectacle, but really heavy on the character work and where your costume characters could maybe take a backseat role. And you have this showcase of this great character and Cavalier and you, you get to see Batman in a different light and you get to experience something different in the medium. So yeah, I I would love to see this in a well done animated movie. Animated movie. Okay, cool. Uh, it's in my head. I totally see that this could have been animated series that I mentioned a few times while we've been talking. Uh, we know nothing about this Caped Crusader show. Oh, yeah. Shoot. Could totally work. I think an episode of that, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it's going to end up being. Like you could, I think you could do a Cavalier story. But then I also think because how much is in here, um, you could build the story out even more, I think, and make it a 70 minute movie. Like you said, I just kind of, I don't know. They have, I'm not going to say a gold mine. Cause I don't, I wouldn't want Cavalier to become, I think a self-contained story with this Cavalier, uh, with this like interpretation of this story. That's what I would want. Self-contained. There's a beginning and end to him, not recurring. He's going to show up again. Uh, he, oh, he's basically like he's part of the Bat family now or anything like that. It's oh. like, no, 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 no. I like him one story and he's done. Well, now that you tabled Cape Crusader, I think we should just marry our two ideas. Okay, done. Where you have like an episode seven of Batman the Cape Crusader mm-hmm. and you meet Cavalier and you have the story play out right till Bruce gives him his blessing. So 
I'm busy working on other stuff from episode six and I don't have time for you, but you kind of remind me of Zorro. So yeah, my blessing, you go operate off on your merry way and you see him fighting crime and Hey, this guy was kind of cool. And that was a good little bubble episode. And then in episode nine, you kind of be like, Oh, Batman uh, Cavalier took care of this job for us. And look at this kid over in this shot who has a Cavalier shirt or whatever. And then in episode 13 you have the back end of this story where it's like the jewel thief is going on i'm too busy hire cavalier or get cavalier on the case and then we get to see the reveal and the fall and everything else and sold you you hear that matt reeves i know you're involved with kate crusader carlos is pitching you he's doing half your job i mean there there it is (laughs) there we there we go I, i think that'd be awesome and I'd ask nothing more than for me and my pal Ryan Lauer to get t-shirts. Those, a, those... a t-shirt. That's all I want. Just give me a t-shirt. Yeah. Like when they were walking around, I mean, you saw some of the crew had, what was it like zip ups of the Batman or something for the crew. I was like, Oh my God, how much I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I want that. I want a Cape Crusader uh, t-shirt. That's all. I, that's all I want. That's all I'm living for. So be part of the team. I do. Yeah. I just want to fit in. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised that we've been going an hour twenty. I'm thrilled that I got to talk some more Tim Sale Batman. Um, almost like this was the first time for the story, which is great. And uh, Carlos, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad I got to do it with you. Thanks, man. Like a, nerds like a, united, uh, nerds united, cross borders. Yes, nerds <laughs> love cross it. Borders. Um. So yeah, thanks for coming back on. Please. Uh, I mean, get to thinking uh, the invites there to return. And until then, like, you know, why don't you go ahead and plug away? If people don't know where to follow you, where can they hear more of your thoughts? More of my thoughts. Well, yeah, I'm part-time host on the nerd room podcast and we kind of do a, a, a Disney-fied PG 13 version of what you, uh, your fine, uh, co-hosts on the straight out of gotham podcast do on theirs but uh yeah there's a, a little less herb and a little less swearing and uh yeah <laughs> we kind of fit in that pg-13 space uh, all right over in our show so yeah most weeks you can find me doing my thing there and uh yeah on the twitter is kind of the only social media i use so it's uh my handle ever since the original days of the dc comics myspace message boards uh, oh man MySpace. Yeah. yeah. Canadian Cape Crusader. So CDN Cape Crusade Crusader. And I think there's no E uh, at the end of it. But uh, yeah, you can find me there. And you want to talk about Batman or Michael Jackson? That's the feature guy. To follow. <laughs> I do believe also uh, one Sir Peter Vera has deemed you Batchin. Am yeah, I, correct? I, okay. I I did have the honor of being dubbed having the best bat, <laughs> bat chin on Twitter. So um, congrats. And, and you know, that coming from an accomplished comic reader like Pete Vera, uh, the monthly co-host of the Batman book club. There that, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually means something. <laughs> that does yeah. mean something. So he, um, he does the work. Okay. He's seen some chins. So this is a compliment for sure. Yeah, it's true. There, there was somebody who posted a picture on my feed, and they're like, "Yeah, the chin is cow already." And I, I like took offense to that. I was gonna start a beef, and I was like, oh, "I got work to do today." <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got real matters to tend yeah. to. But you're lucky. 
You're lucky. Otherwise, if I was bored and had nothing occupying my time, it a whole different outcome. Oh yeah, I would have. I would have gone into the the employee bathroom and there would have been a whole Instagram array of uh, <laughs> yes. chin pics. <laughs> you could have gone viral. Uh, excellent. Well, as for the Batman Book Club, uh, you can follow on Twitter and Instagram for latest episode drops, upcoming episodes, sometimes some giveaways. There's going to be actually come towards you know mid-March. Another bracket challenge. Oh boy. And this one's going to be a doozy. I can tell I'm stressed just trying to just trying to come up with with the options. It's it's going to be fun, but it's going to be wild and I'm going to be an, a wreck over it. So make sure to follow Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Batman Book Club YouTube channel. Uh, Pete and I are on a trip, the road to no man's land. We're approaching the end of the omnibus of that. We're going to head into no man's land, that omnibus. So make sure to check that out and subscribe. Also some video episodes um, like most recently with Tom King that a lot of people clicked on, which uh, I'm appreciative of. So, hey, thanks for checking that out. If you uh, want to write into the show for some reason, uh, the Batman BC at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, there's a variety of ways you can do it. Number one, patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Number two, tpublic.com type tbbc for the Batman book club. But if you want to support the show, you don't want to spend any money at all. It's 100% A-OK. The easiest quickest and most impactful thing you can do is rate and review the show and uh quite a few people have been doing that recently so much appreciated wherever you listen to the show apple podcast spotify amazon google iHeartRadio, wherever you listen just go to the rate and review section and rate and review the show because the more reviews it gets the more it helps spread the word and as we all know the word is panic so for the bat chin himself i am ryan lauer and until next time read my batman's <laughs>